21. Let's start over here. All right. This doesn't sound real exciting, but okay. There you go. Not much you can do about it anyway, right? This is here, so we're good. Glad to see you this morning, and it's good to be back with you. When I'm when Sherry and I travel, I do log in and uh, I see you. Well, I see the back of your head because the camera went over me, but uh, but I do see you, and I watched last Sunday, and it's uh, always a blessing. And I'm thankful for those who join us online. I'm glad to have you with us today as well. Well, I want to share some thoughts with you this morning about the new year. Take your Bibles and go to Daniel chapter 1. That's where we'll be in just a few moments. Daniel chapter 1. I think we could all agree that 2020 was a challenging year. In fact, last year this time when we were doing New Year's celebration, we probably had very little inkling of all that would be involved in 2020. I mean, God knew. God wasn't surprised. But we... We certainly didn't know all that would transpire. I was thinking about the year and review, and certainly there were tremendous health impacts from COVID. Um, people have been sick with it. I don't, I don't, I'm not a physician, and so I, I don't know all the arguments for how severe or not severe. I know this, people I know have been sick with it. People I know have gone in the hospital, and people I know have died. Take that for whatever it is. Um, it's real. Whether or not it's as bad as purported sometimes, I don't know. I think sometimes the news outlets like to hype the negative and make people afraid. But the fact is, it's real. And so we've, we've known people who have been sick with it. Uh, my own brother-in-law was sick with it and recovered and um, uh, family members. And then there are those who, who lost loved ones this last year, lost uh, for various reasons. So it's uh, been a difficult year in that aspect physically health-wise and then I thought of the economic impact uh, close closing businesses down and, and economic impact has been severe for some people some people have been laid off furloughed lost their jobs and of course if you lose your job it's kind of hard to pay the mortgage and buy groceries and pay for the car and put gas in the car and insurance and all those things you know that, that you need to live so some folks have you know, invested their lives as God's blessed them, and they built a business, and they lost their business. They lost all that they labored for for so long or for uh, for that time, and so they've, they've suffered economic losses. And then I thought the social impact has been great as well. My, my dad passed away last January, but before that, he was in a care facility, and I can only imagine um, had he, was he still alive and being in a care facility and me not being able to go in and see him. That would be a real issue. And lots of families have dealt with that, you know, not been allowed in because of, of the pandemic. And so uh, travel has been restricted. Social events have been restricted. Uh, and in some places, more than others, um, my daughter lives in California. Talk about restrictions. I mean, I mean, they really are, are strict there. Uh, and, you know, God puts people in place and leadership allows them to be there whatever the case, but the fact is life has been, has been very different than the way we knew it, right? Uh, not being able to travel. Uh, when I went to Rhode Island to see my son graduate from OCS, I had to sign papers from being out of state saying that I would, I would quarantine for 14 days. I said, sure, I'm only going to be here for four days. Sure, 14 days, got it. I mean, uh, but the point is that life's different uh, because of this pandemic. And then worship. 
probably touches us as Christians more than society, uh, COVID greatly impacted the way we do church. I mean, last year when this thing broke, we, we had all these functions for the year, our big Easter celebration every year, wonderful time celebrating the resurrection of our Savior. We, we couldn't do that. We had a, the 20th year anniversary of the church. The church is 20 years old, 21 now. And we were going to celebrate that. We had to cancel that. Uh, VBS, our, our youth camps and our children's camps, uh, it changed all of these things. Not to mention, then we shifted gears to invest heavily in man hours and financially to do online streaming. And uh, I, I can't tell you, Jeff, and all those who work in the media have put in countless uh, hours to be able to minister online. And, and it has been a great success, I would say, as we've been able to minister online. Here's the point. However this thing has touched your life in the last year, uh, God has been faithful in all of it. God has been good to us in all of it. Um, God knew that the pandemic was coming. God wasn't surprised by that. In fact, God wasn't uh, caught off guard. God has been faithful. He's blessed us through that. Here at Oak Leaf, let me just speak to the ministry here. On Sunday mornings, it has been historically uh, a measurement tool for a church's growth and how well they're doing. How many people attend on Sunday morning? Well, COVID took care of that. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, we're not coming back to church till there's, a, you know, an antidote or, or some kind of vaccine. And some have said, you know, we may never come out of our cave. I don't know, I, you know. But there are people, you know, we went from two full services, uh, sometimes, you know, really overflowing to, you know, 100 100 service, okay? But I want you to understand something. Scores of people watch the videos through the week, sometimes three or 400 a week, sometimes 500 or 600. And God is saving people. In this last year, in the middle of a pandemic, we've had people make professions of faith in Jesus Christ. They gave their heart to Christ and they got saved forever. Pandemic don't stop people from getting saved. We've baptized them. We've seen them testify to their, to their salvation, their faith in Jesus, and they've been saved. We've seen new families come and be part of this church. I've visited homes. Hey, Pastor, we know it's a pandemic. And I go, I'll visit. I don't mind. And, and we've reached out to families. And, and online, you don't see it, but there's a little tab on the website that says, Ask the Pastor. And they do. Okay. Uh, I got an email this week from a, a young man who had lived here and he moved off and he had a question about a message and so I will answer him this week. The point is, God has blessed us through a pandemic. God has blessed us to do ministry. Uh, God's not surprised. God's not caught off guard. God knew all about it. And the point is, we, we need to trust God. And in 2021, what I want to encourage us this morning for just a few minutes, let's have no compromise of serving God in 2021. Matter of fact, let's let's redouble our efforts. Let's re uh, sit down and think of how can we do ministry even though things change around us. And I'm going to tell you, I was talking to uh, uh, to Mike Washington this morning about evangelism. You know, it's pretty difficult to go knock on people's doors right now with pandemic, and 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 it would be offensive to some people to do that. But you are around people every day sitting even still going to the doctor's office at school and, and places of business. And you can talk about Jesus every day. You just have to decide to do it. And so no compromise, no compromise in our, in our faith. And I want to show you that in three areas in, in a man's life named Daniel. Daniel, I'm going to show you in just a moment, historically had a, had a life-altering event take place, much, much like we experienced last year. 
But in Daniel's life, there was no compromise in the will of God for his life. There was no compromise in the word of God for his life, and there was no compromise for the witness of God in his life. And I want those three things to be, to be true for us as well. So let's look first at, at no compromise in the life of Daniel when it came to the will of God. Look at chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Verse 3. Then the king instructed Asbanaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Verse 5, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Verse 6, Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach, to, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. No compromise in the will of God. Daniel is one of my favorite characters in all the Bible. As a young man, probably as a teenager, he was removed from his normal life that he had known all of his life and, and radically changed and taken away as a captive and taken to Babylon. In, in a 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, this first verse happened in 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar came against Jerusalem, and he surrounded the city, besieged it, and they surrendered. They couldn't, they couldn't defeat Nebuchadnezzar. He had just beat the daylights out of the Egyptians and sent them home, and he was the big dog in the, in the area in that time. And so they couldn't resist him, or he would just destroy them. So they surrendered. Well, part of that is he took treasures out of the treasure house. Now, this little side note here for you Bible scholars. Um, how did Nebuchadnezzar know there were treasures in the treasure house? There was a king named Hezekiah who had taken some ambassadors from Babylon some years before and showed them all that he had. And they took notes. And they went back home to Babylon and said, man, there's gold in them walls over there. And so when Nebuchadnezzar showed up, he knew exactly what was in there, and he took it. And he took it back to his treasure house and, of course, put it in his temple. But in part of that process, by the way, historically, Babylon came against Israel three times. Uh, in 605 B.C., they came again later, right after the turn of the century. And then in 586 B.C., they came back a third time and destroyed the city, destroyed Solomon's temple, and wiped them out, carried them all away captivity. But Daniel was among that first group of captives, if you will. So as a young man, as a teenager, he was selected among this group to be taken back to Babylon and put in school for three years. And the purpose was to train them to be counselors or wise men to advise the king. So Daniel was, was hauled away, if you will, from all that he knew. Now think about how life was disrupted for Daniel. Every indication here is that Daniel and his, free, his three friends were nobility. They were in the royal line of Israel. And so no doubt these guys were 
used to some level of quality of life. Wouldn't you agree? In other words, as nobility, they had worldly possessions and they had material things and they had a position in life. They had a, a name, if you will, for themselves. But when taken away captive to Babylon to a foreign land, they had nothing. They lost all of that. And so his life was, Daniel's life was radically transformed from uh, one of comfort and all the things that he knew to losing everything. And then think about his family life. Everything Daniel knew, all of, all of his family friends, all of his mom and dad, uh, aunts and uncles, grandmothers, grandfathers, all lived in Israel, in Jerusalem. Babylon's 800 miles away from Jerusalem. And they hauled him away. And listen, make no, no mistake, Daniel knew when he left he would never come back. So he was ripped, if you will, from his family setting forever. He would never again see his friends or his family or his mom and dad. He was just hauled away. And listen, he didn't have a choice. In other words, the Babylonians showed up, took control of the city and said, you're gone. They didn't ask, you're going. 800 miles back to Babylon. And then think about this, the temple in Israel and Jerusalem was the center of Jewish life. It was the center of who they were. I mean, it was the law of God to worship there, the high priests and the priestly system and the sacrifices. Daniel and his Jewish friends were devout followers of God. They worshiped there all the time. That was part of their life. That was removed from them. They could no longer come and exercise. Can we relate? And many of the things that we did this year in worship that we couldn't do because of COVID and how painful it is to not be able to do those things or to see brothers and sisters in Christ who are afraid to come and gather to worship in, in the name of Jesus. Daniel was removed from all the worship that he understood and everything religious about his life. It was the center of his life that was taken away. And then finally, all these things taken away in such a dramatic way one day you have them, and the next day you don't. 800 miles back to Babylon, where he would be there for the rest of his life. Now, here's the real interesting part of this, the astonishing part. Listen. The fact that all that happened to Daniel was part of the will of God. You think, how could that be? How could God allow? And listen, we know Daniel from reading the Bible. He's a man of God. He's a man of integrity. In fact, I challenge you. Of all, the, of all the men written about in the Bible, Daniel's the only one that the Bible records no negative character trait about. None, not one. Now, David was a man after God's own heart, but we all know about David. He was a murderer and adulterer and all that. Not Daniel. You never read anything. Now, listen, it doesn't mean he's perfect. But Daniel, Daniel was of such a character and such a man of integrity, yet God allowed was part of God's will that his life seems to be destroyed. Do you think sometimes, well, maybe God's just forgot about me? Man, my life's coming apart, all these troubles, the things are, you know, I'm, I'm going to be taken away captive and I'll never see my family again and I can't worship anymore and everything that I'm comfortable with and everything that I know is going to be removed from me. I'll never see my mom and dad again, my brothers and sisters, my aunts and my uncles, no more Christmases with them, no more celebrations. It was all part of God's will. All part of what God had in store for Daniel. Look at verse 2. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. God orchestrated this. Why? Because God was disciplining Israel as a whole for their idolatry. God warned them they were going to go into a, a captivity, and they did. But listen, listen. The, the things that happened to Daniel in his personal life were part of God's overall will for the nation. 
God was in perfect control of what was going on with Daniel. Listen very carefully here. God wasn't angry with Daniel. God wasn't punishing Daniel. God wasn't taking these things away from Daniel because he was angry with him or because God didn't love him. Now, that's important. I want you to listen to me. Because what's our first reaction when something bad happens in life? God, how could you let that happen? Is that not, is that not what we say? God, it's me. God, it's me, your favorite child. How could you let that happen? Right? Is that how you feel? I don't know about it. That's the way I feel. God, I got to be your favorite. How did, how, you know, how did you let that happen? God doesn't have favorites, by the way. He loves us all. The point is we feel that way. I mean, you could, you could realistically, I mean, I could realistically see me if I was in Daniel's position going, no, wait a minute, God. We're, we're your people. This temple is, is we worship you there, and the pre, you gave us all this stuff, and they're taking it all away. Oh, and God, why do I have to go live in Babylon? I don't even like that. I don't want to go there. And God, I'm not riding first class on the way there. They're going to make me walk. So I don't, I don't want to go. And God, I'll never see my family. God was not upset with Daniel. You understand that? The point is this. When, when difficult things come in life like a pandemic or something more personal uh, that affects us, God's not mad with us. God's not upset with us. God has a plan. And God is sovereign. And understand this. God's will in my life folds into his overall will for all of mankind. And so however God uses us, whether it seem right to us or not, is proper because it's God's will. And Daniel was not upset with God's will. In fact, Daniel never compromised the will of God in his life. Now, now think about this for a minute. It would have been completely human. It would have been a completely human response for Daniel or one of his three friends that go, you know what, God? If you're going to let those kinds of things happen to me, I'm done. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, not doing, I'm not doing this anymore. Have you ever heard anybody say that kind of stuff? You know what, God, God let this happen in my life, and so I'm not serving God anymore. That's a sinful human response. That's an emotional response. Daniel could have done that. But you know what? Daniel didn't cop a bad attitude. Daniel didn't compromise the will of God for his life by taking on a bad attitude. Daniel didn't compromise the will of God for his life, listen to me, by blaming God for bad things in his life. You understand this, don't you? Listen. Bad things happen in life. And I mean bad things. Loved ones die. Tragedy happens. Accidents, wrecks, cancer, disease, you name it. Bad things happen in life. But listen to me, it does not mean God's mad at you. And it doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Listen to me. God's love is not predicated on the way we see world events. We have the privilege here of looking at Daniel's life from the big picture because God gave it to us. God's had this view all along. While Daniel was in the middle of this tragedy, he couldn't see what we see today. But even in his faith, he trusted God. Even when he didn't understand why these things are happening, he trusted God. He didn't resist God's will in his life. Oh, listen, have you ever resisted God's will in your life? I have. Usually doesn't work out very well. 
I mean, he didn't resist God's will in his life. Even though it wasn't what he wanted, he didn't resist it. Hey, and here's the big deal. He didn't quit. He didn't throw up his hands and say, you know what, God, you didn't do what I want you to do, so I'm going to take my stuff and go home. Boy, we do that, don't we? That's a, that's a first response. God, you didn't do this the way I want to do it, so, uh, so I'm not playing. God, I don't think your way is as comfortable for me, and it does, you know, I'm not playing. No, you know what Daniel did? He trusted God, and he served God right where he was at. Can I encourage us to do that this year? I don't know what's going to happen with this pandemic. I, I, don't, I don't know how long it's going to take for the antivirus to, to get out to everybody. And, you know, our, uh, Sherry was sharing with me this morning, there's a doctor on the news goes, oh, this pandemic won't be over until 2022, and then you still should wear a mask outside. Oh, man, I don't, I don't want to hear that. That gives me a headache. But the point is, we're going to trust God. And we're not going to compromise the will of God. If it is the will of God that we live the rest of our lives under a pandemic, and I pray not, then we'll figure out how to do it. You understand? I mean, we'll figure out how God wants us to do it, and we'll share the gospel, and people will still get saved, and we'll just do what we're supposed to do. That's what I want to challenge you to do. Don't be, don't be discouraged about it. Don't get all down and out. Oh, you know, life will never be single. No, life is pretty good here. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, last week I spent with my family and ate way too much food, and it, and it was pretty good. I mean, you know, it was really good. So, uh, so, yeah, life's good. Daniel didn't compromise the will of God. Secondly, Daniel did not compromise the word of God. Look at verse 8. It says here, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, I don't have time this morning to lay <clears throat> all the historical stuff with this, but I'll just give you enough to give an understanding. Part of being taken to Babylon to be put in this educational system, the king wanted this group of men to be special. So he said, I'm going to give you the best food that Babylon has to offer, so you're going to eat the same food I eat. So basically, they're eating the same level and quality of food that the king's eating. Now, typically, if you're going to be taken captive to a foreign land and the king decides to feed you what he's eating, you might think, what a blessing, right? I mean, in other words, I'm sure there were people who were taken captive from Israel who were pretty much on their own. Okay, you're here. Uh, stay over there and hope you find something to eat. These guys are, are, are blessed to, to eat all that the king has, the finest of the wines and of, of the food. Now, where some might see that a blessing, there was a problem with that for the Hebrews, right? Their dietary laws that God gave them. Now, they're 800 miles away, but let me ask you a question. If, if God's law is applicable in, ba in Israel, is it applicable in Babylon? Yes, it doesn't matter where he goes. God's word, right? So what Daniel decided is I'm not going to compromise the word of God. He purposed in his heart that I'm not going to eat the king's food. Now, why would he do that? Well, I'll give you two reasons. Number one, God said for Israel there were clean and unclean animals. There were animals they were allowed to eat, and then there were animals they were not allowed to eat. Well, the Babylonians could care less. They ate everything, okay? And so Daniel knew that if I eat the king's food, I'm going to, have, I'm going to be serving, served up, and I'm going to have to eat food that God said for me not to eat under the ceremonial law and the dietary laws of Israel. So Daniel said, I would rather obey God than man. So he determined his heart, I'm not going to eat the food. Secondly, they were forbidden, Jews were forbidden to eat meat offered to idols. Well, Babylon was full of false deities. 
And all the food and meat was used in those rituals and then served up at the king's table. So Daniel knew if I eat the king's food, I'm going to be breaking the law of God. And he purposed in his heart that I'm not going to do that. Now, he made up his mind. I'm not going to do that. What would the pressure have been like for Daniel to conform? Think about it. Would have been immense, wouldn't it? Let me just give you a few very quickly. We're 800 miles from home. Who's going to know? Right? Do some people think that way? Yeah, I'm on this business trip, and I'm far, far away from Orange Park, Florida. Nobody from our church is here, and who's going to know? Let me give you a word of caution about that. God always knows. And number two, you always run into somebody who knows you. Sherry and I were in Hawaii one time. Hawaii is a long ways from here. I walk into a restaurant, look to my left, and there are people from our church sitting there eating. And I said, what are you doing here? They said, probably the same thing you're doing here. Their son was in the military and they were visiting. Listen, Daniel could have said, man, I'm 800 miles from home. You know what? I'm not going to cause a fuss. I'll just eat whatever whatever they give me. I mean, after fact, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a slave. I'm a captive. I'm locked up. I don't, you know, God understands. I don't really have a choice. I got to eat what they give me. Daniel said, no. Purpose in my heart, I'm not going to do it. Secondly, everybody else is eating it, so I might as well eat it too. You ever have your kids say that to you? Dad, everybody else is doing it. You know what my answer was? You're not everybody else. You're mine. And because you're my kid, you ain't doing it. That never went over well, but it was the way it was. Daniel could have said, you know what, everybody else is eating it. Um, why am I going to be the odd man out? I'll just fit in. I'll just eat it. Thirdly, Daniel could have said, you know, if I, if I don't eat the king's meat, I may lose this great opportunity I have to serve the king. I'll lose my job. Then I'll be out there with the commoners and I won't have all this privilege. Or he could have said, if I refuse to eat the king's meat, he might kill me. Which all of those are true. Because Nebuchadnezzar was a unilateral dictator who had the power of life and death and he could have just executed him. So Daniel could have reasoned in his mind, as we do when we fail God, reason why it's okay. And he could have allowed it to happen in his life. But Daniel purposed in his heart, listen to me, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself against God. What does it mean to purpose in our hearts? Listen to this very carefully. It means that the decision was made before the temptation came. He'd already determined, I'm not, I'm not failing God. I'm not going to disobey God's word. I don't care what comes. He already made that decision before it came. And so when the temptation came, he just said, man, I've already purposed in my heart. I'm not going to defile myself with the king's meat, which meant for everything else as well. Listen, there's a lesson there for us. If we've not already determined in our heart today that we're not going to compromise the word of God in our lives, then we'll fail when the temptation comes because we're not prepared. If we're not prepared today to live habitually in God's word, to read it, to hide it in our hearts, to understand it, and determine today when there's no pressure on that we're going to walk with God, we'll fail when the pressure comes because we won't be ready. Are you ready? Are you prepared? No compromise. Daniel said, I'm not going to compromise and eat the food. Now, I don't have time to go over the whole story, but you understand 
God put Daniel in favor with the man who was in charge of him. And Daniel went to the man, and he didn't, he didn't go disrespectfully. There's a lot of lessons here. Daniel made a request. He went to the man, and he said, you know, um, I really appreciate the king letting us eat at his table, and I'm paraphrasing here. I mean, that's wonderful that he would give us such great food. But, you know, I serve Jehovah God, and, and, and there are restrictions, and, and I'm not supposed to eat that food, so can I, can, I, can I give you an option here? Why don't you just feed me vegetables? Uh, let me eat what I'm supposed to eat, and let them eat that, and all will be good. And then the, the, the head of the men there said, well, you know, you're going to put my neck on the chopping block because if the king finds out that you've been eating vegetables and you don't look as healthy and as spry as these other guys, then I'm going to lose my head. And Daniel said, no, give us a test. Let us eat vegetables and then compare us to the other men. And if, if we look less than them, then we'll eat whatever you give us. But if not, then let us keep eating vegetables. And God honored the test. And at the end of the period, Daniel and his fellows looked healthier and, and better than all the people who been eating the king's meat, and so they were allowed to eat their vegetables. Listen, if we determine in our hearts that we're not going to compromise God's word, God will honor that. doesn't mean it won't be hard, but God will honor it. So let us decide today. No compromising the will of God, no compromising the word of God. And then finally, the witness of God. Go to chapter 2, verse 27. No compromising the witness of God. Look at chapter 27, or chapter 2, verse 27. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. Now look at verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days, your dream and the vision of your head upon your bed are these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this, and he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. Verse 30, but as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than any living, but for your sakes who make known the interpretation of the king and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. Now let me give you the context of that very quickly. No compromising uh, in the witness of God. Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2 went to bed and he had a dream. And he wakes up the next morning, and, and his dream's bugging him. Because he knows there's something special about this dream, he just don't understand it. He just don't know what it is. So he calls in all the soothsayers and the astrologers and the wise men, and he says, okay, I need you guys to give me the interpretation of this dream because I think it's an important dream, and I don't understand it. And so all the wise men in Babylon say to the king, sure, tell us a dream, and we'll tell you what it means. And Nebuchadnezzar goes, eh, not so fast. How do I know you're going to be telling me the real interpretation? So there's going to be a little test. I want you to tell me the dream and the interpretation, then I'll know the interpretation is real. All the soothsayers and the astrologers go, well, we can't do that. We don't know what you dreamed. And they said, well, then you can't really tell me the interpretation, and I'll just kill all y'all. Well, that they said, well, no, give us another shot. Hey, you know, tell us a dream. And uh, we'll tell you the interpretation. He said, no, I refuse to. You're going to trick me. You tell me the dream and the interpretation. That way I'll know you got them both right. Well, they couldn't do it. So Nebuchadnezzar, true to his character, said, kill all the wise men in all of Babylon. Execution order for every wise man in Babylon. Well, when they come to Daniel to take him out and execute him, Daniel said, what, what happened? Because obviously he wasn't included in the first group because he's still in school. 
And so the soldier said to him, well, you know, he had this dream and he couldn't understand it. And all the wise men obviously aren't that wise because they couldn't figure it out. And so now we're going to kill them all. And Daniel was taken into King Nebuchadnezzar and he said, hey, I'm paraphrasing. You go home and read it. Can, I, can we have a little time and then I'll get the interpretation to your dream. If you give me a little time to work on it, let me, let me pray and think about it and, and I'll get you to answer. So the king, all under God's sovereign control, granted Daniel and his other friends a stay of execution and really saved all the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel goes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and says, hey, we need to have a prayer meeting because the king's going to kill us all unless God reveals to one of us this dream and tells us what it means, so let's pray. Well, while Daniel's praying, he goes to sleep. You ever go to sleep while you're praying? Don't feel bad because Daniel did, okay? Daniel goes to sleep while he's praying, and God gives Daniel the same dream that he gave Nebuchadnezzar and gave him the interpretation. Now, isn't this wonderful? I mean, You've got to go home and read this chapter, too. So Daniel, you know, gets up and goes, got it. Goes to his friends, thanks for praying. Got it. God gave me the dream. Know what it means. Goes to the soldiers, take me in. I know what it means. It goes to the Nebuchadnezzar. Hey, I can tell you the dream. So Daniel, in this passage in, in verses 27 to 30, he's before the king and tells him, hey, I got the interpretation. The, the key that I want to show you here is this. It would have been easy for Daniel to walk in and go, I'm smarter than all these guys. Tell you none of them can figure it out? I got it. And he could have he said, hey, I'm an interpreter of dreams because God said I am. And that's what's said of him later. No, you notice the humility here and the witness for God? The very first thing Daniel said is, he goes in the presence of the king, and in verse 28 says, but there's a God in heaven. Not about him. He said, hey, of all the deities you got around here, there's a God in heaven who made everything, and he's the one who gave you the dream, and he gave me the dream, and gave me the interpretation, I'm going to share it with you. Now, Daniel, Daniel shares this dream, and, and in verse 30, he says, but as for me, the secret's not revealed to me because I'm any better than anybody else. Man, that's good testimony. Is that not what we say to people when we share the gospel? Look, I'm not saved because I deserve to be saved. I'm saved because of God's grace, and you can be saved too. Hey, God's blessed me because of his grace, not because I deserve to be blessed, but God's blessed me. Can you share that with people? Sure you can. Daniel was given testimony to a pagan king about a God in heaven. Now, I know you're curious, so I'm going to do this real quick. What was the dream, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. You go home and read it. He saw a, a vision of this image, this great big man. The head was gold. The arms and chest were silver. The, the abdomen and, and the thighs were brass. The legs were iron, and the feet were mixed iron and clay. This is great prophecy, by the way, too. It's good stuff. And so Daniel describes this image to Nebuchadnezzar. Boy, don't, don't you wish you had a video of the look on his face when Daniel starts talking. Well, king, while you were asleep on your bed, you had a vision of this great big image. And, and I'm sure Nebuchadnezzar was doubting that Daniel could do it. And about the time he said an image, Nebuchadnezzar's attention was full on. How do you know that? Oh, well, not only did you see this image, but I'm going to tell you the head and all was gold. Yeah. And the chest and the arms were silver. Yeah. And the, and the brass and the iron legs and the feet and the clay. He's going, man, that's exactly right. And he goes, oh, and by the way, here's the interpretation you're the head of gold because that's your kingdom. Then the kingdom after you won't be quite as good as yours. It'll be the silver. And then the kingdom after that will be the brass. And the kingdom after that will be the iron, which is the Roman Empire. And then the feet and the, and the toes that are iron and clay is the kingdom of Antichrist. And Jesus is going to crush it all. Y'all get all that? That's prophecy. But Daniel is telling the king about his image. And instead of taking credit for himself, 
He said, there's a God in heaven. And he's the one who reveals these things. The witness, no compromising the witness. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, if you read the whole story, he falls down off the throne and falls before Daniel and gives obeisance to him and says, hey, bring in, gives him all kinds of rewards and finances and makes him the second man in the kingdom. And I like this too. You know, his friends that were praying with him, Daniel didn't forget about them. Because when he gets promoted to be the prime minister of all of Babylon, you know what he says to the king? Hey, my friends over there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, can we promote them too? Because they're my buddies. And he promoted them too. See, Daniel wasn't about Daniel, was he? Listen, Daniel, Daniel was about no compromise with the will of God, whatever God had in his life, and it wasn't good at that point. I mean, he's, he's captive, lost everything, but he's still serving God. No compromise in the word of God, purpose in his heart. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care if boyfriends and girlfriends are sleeping, living together. I don't care if people are lying, cheating, stealing. I don't care if they're dishonest in business. I don't care. I'm purpose in my heart. I'm going to live for God. Don't care what people are doing. I'm not going to be other people. I'm going to do what God told me to do. No compromising the word of God. And then finally, no compromise the witness of God. I like the song. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody. That's how you ought to be. Just a nobody trying to tell everybody about Jesus. No compromising with the witness of God. Are you ready for 2021? How about we do the same thing, right? I call it a spiritual backbone. How about that? How about, how about being men and women of integrity? Men and women that are not going to compromise in any of these areas. And no matter what the pandemic does, and no matter what political offices do, and no matter, you know, listen, here's, here's a hard thing for us to understand. The United States don't have to survive. Matter of fact, it's not going to. That's shocking, isn't it? Jesus is coming. It's his kingdom that's going to last forever. Not this one. Not this one. You say, oh, boy. Yeah, well, don't mope around about it. It's coming. All right? Just be men and women of integrity. Be men and women who, who know that God's coming, that his kingdom's coming. So don't worry about that stuff. Listen, are you here this morning? You know you're saved online if you're watching do you know you had Jesus in your heart? Have you, have you confessed your sin to him? Have you asked him to save you? You see, because see, in Jesus, part of his kingdom, in Jesus being saved, you're in his kingdom. You're in his family. He wants you to be. Would you come to him this morning? You say, well, you know, I'm not sure I'm saved. Well, you can be sure today. All you have to do is confess that you're a sinner, put your faith in Jesus Christ, ask him to save you. You say, well, it's got to be more than that. No, Jesus did all the more than that. He went to the cross. He died. He rose again the third day. He's alive right now. Listen, do you know if you died right now, you're going to heaven? Do you know if you died right now, you see the face of Jesus? They welcome you home. If you can't say that, listen, I say this with all sincerity. If you can't say in your heart that you know, that you know, that you know, that you're secure in Jesus Christ, you need to make sure today, today, right now. Say, so how do I do that, Pastor? Well, I'm going to pray in just a minute. And right there in your seat, you can pray and say, God, I want to know that I'm saved. I want to be saved. God, forgive my sins. Save me right now. God will save you. And then the assurance of your salvation is found in as you study God's word. And the Holy Spirit confirms it to your heart through the word. Would you trust Jesus today? Would you trust him as Savior? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the testimony of this man, Daniel. Uh, no compromise in your will, Lord. No matter what you had for his life, he served you where you had him and what you wanted him to do. 
no compromise in your word, Lord. He would not compromise what you said because your word is true. And uh, truth is always right. And God, he would not compromise your witness. God, he gave all glory and honor to you and pointed the world to you, Lord, and not himself. God, maybe there's somebody here this morning or watching online and they've never been saved. And I pray right now, God, they would pause wherever they are, on the couch, watching on their phone. That God, they would just bow their head right now and say, oh God, I want to be sure. I want to know, God, that my sin's forgiven, that I belong to you. God, forgive me. Save me right now. God, you'll save anybody who will ask. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing. I'll be down front. If I can pray with you or help you or answer questions, you come on the first verse.